Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. So if you have your Bibles, turn to them in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and the ushers will bring you a Bible. We've, we're studying through uh, 1 Thessalonians on Sunday mornings through the book of Jeremiah on Wednesday nights. Uh, just have been going hand in fist. It's just like a glove to hand with these, these uh, letters and these books and the Old Testament on, on Wednesday nights. And then having the New Testament with us on Sunday morning, just been so incredible. We're getting to know about the Lord, you know, just who He is. I mean, you just think of, we have His Word in front of us. And so that's, we want to really make sure that we're giving His Word, everything that we give Him, give His free place in our lives. And so here in uh, 1 Thessalonians, if you're there, chapter 4, let's stand together one more time and we're going to read, just read the Word. 1 Thessalonians 4, I know you're getting your exercise in this morning. You got your, you got your stepper on, and so he's counting steps and sits and all that stuff. Paul writing says this, he says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is avenger of such, as we also forewarned you and testified for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects us does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his spirit. And so, Lord, once again, we thank you that we have your word. We want to stand before you in your word. We're asking that you administer to our hearts. We don't want any word from men. We want to see what your word has for us. And your, your word tells us that the Holy Spirit is the teacher of truth. So would you, Holy Spirit, teach us truth this morning? As always, we need you. This world that we live in, we need to know how you think about our lives and how we should live them. So take this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we're not going to spend any time, but just to dive right into it. Here in verse 1, Paul begins as he writes and he says, there's an exhortation that he's giving to the, the people, um, to the church of Thessalonica. Remember, remember this young church. And he says in verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So he's saying, hey, you know what? The first thing that we see here is that the exhortation. And there's an exhortation that he's giving to the church because of what he just said. So that's what's important. You know, he just written to them at the end of chapter 3. We covered that last week. And he went, remember, he went from having a concern in their life 
about how they were doing because they were being persecuted for the faith in Jesus, right? They walked away from their old lifestyle. They came to faith in God and they, they're at this place to where all of a sudden persecution is getting to them. Uh, Paul writes to them, uh, sends a, an escort with the letter. He says, how are you guys doing? The report comes back that, hey, we're doing okay. And then he just continues on. He says, okay, I've heard that now. And so he exhorted them now to holy living. I'm glad you're doing well, in other words, not, you know, even the, amongst the persecution that's out there. But it all stems from what he's saying. There was no chapter and verse break was Paul wrote them. They were inserted later. So it stems from the, what we just left off of. Look at your Bibles. At the third chapter, the 12th and 13th verse, Paul says this, And may the Lord make you increase and abound to love one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that, you might want to underline that, so that he might establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. So he's, he's telling them right here that he's going to continue with this thought of how we're to live our lives. Why? I'm glad you're doing well, but Jesus is coming back. When we look at the news today, what do we see? You see hatred and you see all this stuff that's going on. I see Jesus coming back. Because that's what it points to. It points to the things that are out there that are testifying that the Bible is real. In these last days, men will become lovers of themselves, basically, instead of lovers of God. And so you have this point here to where the encouragement to the church. Why? Why is this so important? Listen, they've been blood washed. These, these, they're saints. They're just like you and I. They've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. They've been given this change, as I alluded to as I prayed, that we were once destined for hell. Now we have heaven. So he's telling them, you know, he goes, we, now we belong to this new family. We have the Holy Spirit available to us to teach us how to live our lives for his glory and, and, and all these things. So Paul here is saying, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he moves on to say, hey, now I want you to know what, how your life is going to please God. How are you going to live your life that is going to please God? I'm going to tell you, and he's going to write uh, to this church, and I think it has so much application to us. So the question might come up, well, how do we please God? How is it that God is going to be happy with me? Well, number one, we all know, and I think it all blends together, that Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him, right? But doesn't it take faith that we're to live our lives on a daily basis? And then faith trusting Him, because we came into this relationship with Him, well, I'll speak for myself. I'll speak for all of us, I guess. We're all the same. We came in not totally, uh, I mean, we're clean and forgiven, but we still have this part called, um, he needed a lot of work to do in us. You ever notice that? <laughs> and so we come in, that takes faith that you and I are going to trust the Lord. We're going to trust him in the things that he has for us. It takes faith that he's going to, you know, every day as we're walking through this wicked world, that he can guide us through this world and still bring him glory. And so we're to continue in faith. And we need to do that as we, uh, as we have faith to trust the Lord and whatever he desires to do in our lives. We'll see at the end, I'll remind you that our lives are not our own. They've been bought with a price. And so they belong to him, so we're having faith that he knows best. Some of you might I mean, be dating you, but you remember the, story, the, the show, Father Knows Best, right? He sure does, doesn't he? He knows best. And so as we walk by faith, we're fully trusting in him. And then, you know, as we trust him, we're finding ourselves giving him the freedom to do as he pleases in our lives. 
It's just the freedom. Lord, whatever you have, whatever you see in there that is not of you, uh, that is not of you I want you to change. I want you to identify. I want you to kind of spot that. And I want you to be able to change whatever you want. And so abound, as Paul says here, that we should abound, it means to increase. It means to be in excess. It means that you and I should grow in our faith in Him, grow in our walk with Him. And so he's telling the church that, again, they're doing well. There's nothing wrong with the church. They're doing well, but he still has his exhortation. The church at Thessalonica was under persecution, but they're, they're, rocking. they're rocking it with Jesus. They're living for him. And so faith is needed. Faith is needed in our lives to continue on an everyday basis. It's sad because some Christians kind of live their lives where they just want fire insurance. Well, like I'm saved, and I can't wait to get to heaven. But in the meantime, I'm just going to live the way I want to live. And they want to get, they, they want that get out of hell free card without ever allowing the Lord to change them once they've given their lives to Him. Listen, many want to be justified, but they don't want to be sanctified. So Paul writes here, he says, you know what, I want to exhort you that you have a walk that is well pleasing to God. And he says here, you should desire to be sanctified. The thought here is, how are we going to have that walk? He says, listen, verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That takes faith. But listen, sanctification is that process to where the, God's grace is poured out on every born-again believer. We, are, we come, the, the minute we come to faith in Christ, we're saved, we're justified. So incredible. I, I never, I'll never forget, I hope I never forget um, the day I was saved. I was just so blessed by it. And, um, uh, you know, looking at that life and looking at where, where I came from, where the Lord brought me from, and I knew that I was saved, but I knew He still had a lot of work to do in me. I knew I was forgiven. Isn't that amazing that you're forgiven? But, and then the Lord says, you know what, I've separated from you sin, but now to be dedicated to God and to His righteousness, to the work that He wants to do, and it's accomplished as we get in the Word of God, and it's accomplished as we allow the Holy Spirit to have His free reign in our lives, he wants to rearrange the furniture in your heart. You know, it's all right. Let him do it. And it's through the process of sanctification that has an end goal. And the end goal is holiness. I'm a lot better than I used to be. You're a lot better than you used to be. You're a lot better off today than you were hopefully t 10 years ago or however long when you first came to the Lord. Though you were forgiven, you weren't staying just in that place. God had work to do and he still has work to do. But I mean, uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said that you know what, that we should be thankful, but not only thankful, we should be confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. It's like he's working on overtime on me. <laughs> no wonder God never sleeps. He's got Al there. He's got Al to work on, you know. But I'm confident in this very thing that he will be, he will complete that work until the day that we go to home to be with the Lord. Will that work be completed? Until we go home to be with Jesus. And so Paul here is, is sharing with these people. He's saying, you know what? There's an end goal. And that end goal is holiness. It's that purification from guilt and the power of sin as we trust the Lord. And we have to trust the Lord. Why? Because when God saves us, He doesn't leave us that way. Isn't that great? I'm so thankful. And, and though, you know, we come into that relationship with the Lord, that sanctification process, start, you know, starts and it continues, He'll never let us go. As bad as we may be, or as, you know, our theology, or our, our, our tight grip, our pride, He never lets us go. 
And he wants to work these things out in our lives, and I'm so thankful for that. And I think of just like our lives, like the church of Thessalonica, it wasn't that they had it easy and we have it worse, or we have it worse and they had it easy. It was none of that. We, I mean, they lived in a sin-filled world as well. They had the temple prostitutes that they uh, would come and, and ravish the land. They had their share of sexual sin as our nation does. As a matter of fact, they had um, Dionysus, one of their worship, their, their gods that they worship. He claimed to be born out of Zeus's thigh. <laughs> so here's a guy that comes in. He's born out of uh, one of their pagan gods' thighs. And they worshipped him with much wine, and it often uh, went into, uh, it culminated in orgy. So they had their own problems of their own. They had the, their own Las Vegas, as we have our own Las Vegas. They just didn't have it on TV like we do today. We're on the internet. And again, when you think of stuff, the, you think of these things, it's the same for every generation and every culture that the, since the, the birth of the church. Even through the wickedness, even though wickedness abounds, we, that is you and I who have been washed, born again, um, we are without excuse to live our lives in a way to where we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. He, I mean, he goes, look, it's dark out there. He gets that, right? He knows that. But he still wants to do a work in our lives because where darkness is, the light shines better. And you and I are to be the light in the world. So we're to be uh, salt, salt in, in this earth. And we're also to be the light that we might shine forth. Look, it's okay. I don't. You're seeing me living my life, but God's doing a work in me, and He's doing a work in us as believers. And that's what Paul is getting to. Look, it might be pretty tough there in Thessalonica. It might be pretty tough in Kelso, Longview, or around the surrounding cities. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit for our lives, and to live our lives by that, and to change us. Thank God. So again, it's the same for every generation, every culture, whatever we go through. We don't look back and say, well, they had it easier than we did. They, you know, it's, it's the same. Every one of us has the same power. It doesn't matter how much time we have to live, five days, 50 years, 100 years, whatever, um, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And so the desire to live our lives is allowing the Holy Spirit to purge us and to cleanse us and change us and create in us into the image of his son is well pleasing to the Lord. Listen, Psalm 40 verse 8 says this, I delight to hear your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will, O my God. To do your will. I want to do your will. There's such delight in that, the psalmist says, and your law is within my heart. You see, the will of God for you and I isn't to struggle with things like, how am I going to make him happy? But it's just your sanctification. Like taking the grips off your life, taking the, what we call them, the biscuit hooks, letting them go. And God doesn't want, you know, doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our, uh, doesn't, you know, demand us to work to volunteer for him long hours so he's happy. What makes him happy is when you and I, out of our own free will, surrender our lives totally to him to be set apart so the Holy Spirit can come in and just have his free will in our lives. That's what he wants. He just wants you. He wants me. He wants to change us. He wants to, again, create in us from that person we were to the person he's creating us to be in the image of his son. Now, one of the passages that comes to mind is Paul writing to the Ephesians when he says, you know, that we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. He has a work to do in our lives. We're not to quench the Holy Spirit. You see, the word sanctify means this, set apart. 
is set apart. And again, the sanctification is the process that we go through. And Paul is telling the church that in this dirty, filthy world that we live in, that they lived in, and as I said, as we live in, that, that God will, for them, just like He will for us in our lives, He would set us apart, and He would hope that we would be willing to be uh, vessels set apart for purification. Lord, here I am, so messed up. I might be saved, but I got a, you got a lot of work to do. And we might be willing to allow him to do those things. That sanctification process. Don't ever get to the point where you think you've got it all together. Because we got a pool we'll fill up and see you walk on water. It'll be a deep pool. <laughs> see, what Paul is saying here is he says, you know what? Desire, we should desire to be sanctified. We should desire to be changed. And then he continues here with a part of the sanctification process that may be included in our lives. And he says, he tells the church here, he says, abstain from sexual immorality. Verse 3 says that you may abstain from sexual immorality. See, one of the dirtiest, most despicable things that the devil does in this world is he uses this world, but he also uses it in the lives of Christians, and that's sexual immorality. Boy, he paints it up to look good, doesn't he? And the devil's very aware, there's no doubt, of how he can destroy marriages. He's very aware how if I can get a man or even a woman, ladies, in, in pornography is growing like out of, it's crazy. The way the, the gals are looking at pornography even today. But if he can get you and I to look into, to bring other things into our marriage, and he knows what it will be, what it will take to destroy the marriages. And if he destroys the marriages, he destroys the church. If he can get inside the marriages, he can get inside the church, and the church is as strong as it should be. You realize something about marriage? Marriage is the only thing that we have from the other side of the fall that God has given to us. Marriage, husband and wife, XX chromosome, XY chromosome, i got to specify today. Born that way. And that we are, we are going to go to God and say, you know what, I don't want anything to interfere with what you've ordained. And you brought Mary together, you brought Adam and Eve, and we see the fallout of sin, don't we? And, in, and that necessarily wasn't even sexual sin, but since that time, we have seen the toll that Satan has put in the lives of people because of sexual immorality. And Paul here uses the word pornea. And pornea, which is translated to sexual immorality, as kind of used in a broad sense. It has all types of pornograph- uh, pornographic practices. And so what's sad today is because we don't even have to leave our homes for this kind of stuff. You can be all over. Just turn on the TV or get on your cell phone. The devil's made it so available. But you and I, Paul says, that we're to stay from that stuff. We're to abstain from that stuff. And the, the Thessalonians also lived in a pagan environment. They, they, they had this loose sexual uh, perversion about them. And it wasn't just practice, but it was also encouraged. In Thessalonica, it was something that they should do. Doesn't that sound familiar today? And in the Greek religion, the prostitution was considered a priestly prerogative. And in extramarital affairs was like some type of an act of worship. And so Paul is appealing to the church and he's saying, let it not be so in your lives. 
listen, you're born again. Jesus is coming. Don't get caught up in this stuff. Don't get caught up in the world. So you think about, you know, the, the very thing. God says that we are to abstain from it. And abstain means to flee rem- or remain distant from. Stay, stay away from it. You think again about marriages today suffering in alarming rates. And not just the marriages, not just the husband and wife, but the children are suffering in that case too because of what? Sexual immorality. And listen, sex is good when you're married and again between an XX chromosome and an XY chromosome people. He's created them for that purpose so that they might have you know, be pro uh, reproductive, that we might have more children and, and the, our children would have grandchildren. But it's the devil out he's trying to destroy this, this, destroy marriages by inserting into sexual misconduct into the marriages, into the minds of people and the thoughts of people. And again, it's that holy institution. God brought it together. The other side of the fall of man, the very thing that God said I ordained, it's not good that man should be left alone. And all the men said, Amen. I mean, you should be saying that. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I said, Amen to that. But, but so on that side of the fall, that was the very thing that God instituted. And he said, even today, that he desires that it remain that holy uh, matrimony, that holy, uh, uh, the whole, have holiness to it. But then we have the devil out there trying to destroy. Oh, God didn't really say that. Spice up your marriage with this or a little bit of that. Why don't you try this? You young people, oh, you're not married, so why don't you? Ah, no siree. You don't go that route. You see, even if the civil law states that, oh, it's okay, we'll just put a little tax on it to make us some money to help the, you know, income or the debt ratio a little bit, so we'll just make pornography legitimate and, and all these things. Even if the the legal law says that same-sex marriage is okay or, or sexual promiscuity is acceptable in their eyes. This has long been settled in the courts of heaven. And so we look at this thing and we say, wait a second, God has spoken, I need to listen. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to understand what you're saying in this stuff. And, you know, today I was just texting somebody in the body and I said, can you help me with this ballot stuff? I can't even understand it. You know, where do I go? How do I look at this stuff? I mean, I, did I vote for or against? Pro or not? Reject, repeal? Well, I don't I even know. I voted. I don't even know how the law is written anymore. It's so crazy. But I know the things that are so common if they're biblical. And, and God says it very clearly. And I think of today, we look at even the things that are settled, settled in the courts of heaven. The prophet Habakkuk was very wise when he saw the Chaldeans coming against the children of Israel. He said, listen, he had this conversation with God, and he said, you know what, God, even the laws are paralyzed. Isn't that so true today? The laws are paralyzed. What are we seeing today? You know, they're, they're paralyzed. But what may be common and open for this world is a no, it's, it's a no deal for the Christian. We're to, look, at we're to swim against the tide of this world. We're to, to travel against the tide of this world. And, and, and even Christians today, listen, I want to tell you something. We get, we get so upset because of the LBGT movement, and we and we get upset. Listen, they're blind. They need Jesus. Live your life in a way that you're going to be a witness to them. Let them see Jesus Christ. Let them see God, that He, he exists and He died for you. That's what they need to see. 
I mean, we went, oh, look at this movement. No, look at the church's movement. We should be moving with power. We should be moving with such power that we're out there, not worried about everything that's going on, but we're, look at, we're shining the light and people are so attracted to us. Say, now I can see where I'm going. Why? Because they have power. They have the light in their lives. And they have Jesus Christ in their lives. Without Christ in their lives, they have nothing. And so we need to be a good witness to them. And you know what? When I was blind, I did some stupid stuff. You're laughing because you did too. <laughs> right? But when we were, before we were saved, we did some pretty stupid stuff. But listen, now that we see, I am so glad that my brother didn't come to me. He wasn't pointing out my sin before I was saved. He was saying, bro, Jesus is real. He knew I was sinning. He knew I was living a life of muck. But all he did was share with me, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. It was so cool, so crystal clear. And that's the way we're to be. Look, at, we need to have the right heart in this day and age in which we live in. But the church cannot be a witness for what it's already hiding in its heart. We have to be careful in that. We have to be careful in that. And every one of us has a vote. And our vote is to is you know to make things change. I think we think about this next election as well. Very important it is. I get it. But I want to be honest. I'm not here to make America great again. I'm here to make America born again. That's what our call should be. Because it stays out of the politics of it. And it makes people born again. Because once they're born again, they can bring change. You can't save a life. You can't change a life with law. You have to have the grace of God. And listen, church, we have the ability to show this world in the love of God and the power of God what God has done in our lives. And he says, abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain from these things. And let me share with you something that you may know. And if you don't know, shame on you. And if you're doing it, shame on you. But listen, I hope you're aware that if you're watching porn and you're on some other sexual immoral site, they know about it. They have your number. Credit card? Oh, I didn't give them my credit card. They have, they have your number, pal, gal, whoever. They have your number. And listen, they have your number and they can bring everything to it and make it publicly announced. Remember that they just did with, a few years ago with Ashley Madison? Pastors were getting confronted and they were put on spotlight. and They had this big thing uh, out there with all these prominent people, companies and corporations and presidents were having to resign because of they were having extramarital affairs because the devil was catering to them. They said, we got your number. We got all your stuff in here. Here's when you met with them. Here's who you did. Here's the person's name up. And you got children. Here's your children's name and your wife's name, your husband's name. Here, they're right here. And it was embarrassing. It was to a point to where, listen, pastors were doing this. Pastors were getting caught in and killing themselves, committing suicide because they were caught. I encourage you today that if you're wrapped up in it, man or woman, that you come to the grace of God. You come and ask God's forgiveness and that He would pour out His grace upon you. And that's what we need. If you're caught up in it, come to Jesus. Come to the cross. Receive the grace that you'll need. And only He can save. Only He can save. So He says, listen, Abstain from sexual immorality. He goes into verse 4 and he says that each of you should know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, Paul mentions how we're to possess or to take care of. How we're to take care of, listen, not your neighbor, not your spouse, not your, your co-workers, 
vessel, but your vessel. As an individual, that you and I would look at our own vessels. We'd look in our own mirror and say, yeah, we got a problem, or I got a problem. Let me see how I'm going to take care of my own vessel. Each one, each one of us has enough to worry about by taking care of ourselves, right? We have our own problems. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul wrote to them, he says, But we have this treasure. This is the gospel message that he's talking about. In earthen vessels. That's you and I. We're crackpots. <laughs> But we have this earthen vessel, in earthen vessels, we have this treasure, the gospel, that the excellency, uh, the, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So that's what we're going to show the world. What's changing in their lives? Well, it's Jesus Christ. I'm so messed up. But I, when I got saved, it was like God just says, I, I got you. I have now I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit. Go tell the world about who you are in, in me. Go tell them of me. I'm like, all right. This is incredible. And each of us who have been born again, right, we're vessels that God has purchased. Did you get that? He's purchased it. And God created us, in a sense, we're weak, we're, we're limited, but we're earthen vessels so that Christ in us, He can, you know, shine out of us. You're broken. You don't have it all together. That's all right. Don't try and fix yourself. Let Christ shine through you. Let him build you up. Instead of creating us to be strong, independent. No, no, no. He created us to be weak. So that we would look to him and say, God, help me. Oh, I need your help. That's all right. We're crackpots for his glory. And, and I want to draw this from, a, from the Old Testament picture because I think it has a lot of application being set apart for the Lord. I'm sure you guys remember Belshazzar. Remember him? And he took some vessels that were meant for the use of the Lord and used them in an ungodly manner. And the story is a great picture. that I think it brings application. So you can turn to Daniel 5 if you'd like, or I'll have it up on the screen. But listen, a great picture of how we, as vessels of the Lord, how we should or should not be used. Because we're set apart, boom, for His glory. I purchase you. Whatever your name is here today, this morning, um, He's purchased you if you belong to Him, right? Sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so in Daniel chapter 5, this applicable passage here, I'm going to read it beginning in verse 1. It says, Belshazzar, the uh, king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of thousands. And while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had, had taken from the temple. Oh, that's a, not a good move. Which had been in Jerusalem, that the king... And his lord, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. And they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the kings, and his lords, his wives, his concubines drank from them. And they drank wine and praised the God of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Uh-oh. These were vessels that were special vessels. Remember, God gave instruction how to use them and what they were to be to perform by, how they, you know, they each had their own usage, just like you and I. No, 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 no different. This is just like I said, it's applicable. They were to be used for the table of communion with God. And they were to be kept in the house of God, right? And so when Belshazzar used these vessels in an unworthy manner, it was then that his kingdom was in trouble. The finger of God came upon, right? Wrote upon the wall, and he said the fate of Belshazzar and the Bible tells us how so radically that it changed his life and it spoke to him that he could have used the diaper on. Look at verse 5 of Daniel 5, 5. In the same hour, the fingers of the man's hand appeared and wrote opposite 
the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw and part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that, listen, the joints of his hips were loosed. That depends on who he's listening to, I guess. And his knees locked against each other. Wow. So he's using these vessels. God, even though these are, these are for the temple, God says, you know what, those are still used, and I've ordained them to be used in a certain way. And here you are, I don't care who you are, you stole them from the temple, and I demand that you use them rightly, and if not, your kingdom's in trouble. Bottom line, the writing on the wall said this, meanie, meanie, tekla upharsin. Listen, which means this, look at verse uh, 26 of Daniel 5. It says, then the interpretation of each word, meaning God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Uh-oh, Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and uh, given to the Medes and the, and the Persians. That's kind of a drastic call. And then Belshazzar gave the command, uh, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold on his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he would, uh, that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And there was no doubt that Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, Belshazzar, had a, had a big kingdom, great kingdom. Man, stood as king of kings in the world. But Nebuchadnezzar was protected, and they had this, this city that was protected by walls of 350 feet high. Thick. I mean, huge walls. You're thinking impenetrable. I got it made, Right? And everything that was going was going so well, he thought the enemy can't come in and he's not going to easily attack them and all these things. And needless to say, they felt safe against the enemy. But he even, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar and, and Belshazzar at this time, felt safe, he even felt safe against not only against the enemies, but felt safe using these vessels in an unworthy manner. Never thinking what God had to say about it. Never thinking that, well, it belongs to God, but I stole it from God. Well, the question I fast forward to today is, what about the, your vessel and my vessel? What about you and me, the vessels that God has purchased? What about those vessels that he's looking at? Have they been stolen? Have they been used in an unworthy manner? Look at verse 30 and 31 of Daniel 5. It says, That very night Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius and Medes received the kingdom about 62 years old, being about 62 years old. See, you, if you and I, like Belshazzar here, if we're going to use our vessels in an unworthy manner, I mean, we're going to fill them with immorality and other misconduct. Has it ever crossed your mind that your kingdom could be in jeopardy? Hey, what kingdom? What about the kingdom of your family? You're the king. Men, you're the, you're the priest of your family. Wives, you play a very important role in your family. You're the moms, the loving part of that family. And you, maybe your kingdom is your job, maybe your business. It may be so many things, but, uh, you know, things that are out there, but, being, but, but by filling your vessels with sexual immorality of any degree, in the matter of, uh, of your time, your family is going to be divided. Your marriage is going to see trouble. Your children are going to be left, left wondering, well, is God even real? See, your kingdom may be the ministry that God is calling you into. You know how many pastors have fallen 
And all of a sudden, it doesn't just hurt themselves, but it hurts the church, and it goes public, and all these things like, oh, I knew God wasn't real. Why? Because some man made a huge mistake? God's still real. You see, it might be that ministry that God has called us to, or the job that we have, or whatever we, whatever it is. God intends for your, your vessel to be sanctified. You and I are to live holy lives. Why? Because He's holy. So He wants us to live holy lives, these lives that are under Him. And if we're going to use our vessel in an ungodly manner, guess what? The writing's on the wall. The writing's on the wall. He says, you know, I want to challenge you in this. the world that we live in. You know, what are we accepting? Romans says that not even those who practice those things, but those who approve of such things. And we got to be careful. Am I, whoa, am I being a witness? Am I being a friend? Or am I having fellowship? So it's just these things that we got to be careful in. And see, whatever it might be that we have a choice in the matter, that we have to understand that we want, we should be living our lives that are set apart. Not, not set apart saying, oh, there you go and I can't touch you, can't minister to you. I love you, but you got to come here. It's easier to pull a man down or a person down than it is up. I'll pull you down. And so you have this time where God sets apart instruments or a vessel and He uses them. And if they're using it in other ways, then we have problems with our hands. Our problem on our hands. Look at 2 Timothy. So we'll bring it to the New Testament real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 2 reads this, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows all those who are His, and let every man who has named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood, hay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then he says, flee also useful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We desire to be used by the Lord. It's vital that we live that lives are sanctified or set apart for use, be used by God. How do you do that? You flee temptation and pursue righteousness. Where's righteousness found? It's not from the next tavern. It's not going to be more, no more righteous than the other tavern. Righteousness is found in the house of God. So we flee temptation and pursue the congregation. We're to be amongst one another. And if we desire to be used, but deny the will of God for our lives, then tra tragedy strikes and the fall of our kingdom begins to happen. That's what happens. Look at what it said again. It said they, we need to flee. We need to pursue righteousness with those who call upon the name of the Lord. We need to return to the communion table. And this is where the vessels of the Lord belong. And then, and then in verse 6, because we'll, we'll look at what he says. He says, we don't want to be a stumbling block that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such. If we have, uh, as we also forewarn and testified, see, the Lord will judge all uncleanliness. He's, he's going to see it. I mean, he sees it. He's going to deal with it one day. But let, let me remind you, church, I mean, because remember, Paul's writing the church to Thessalonica. And he's just warning them. He's saying, you know what? Abstain from this stuff. And I, I'll say the same here in my own life. I'm talking, talking to myself, preaching to myself, as long as the congregation, those of you who believe. Listen, First Corinthians chapter 6, he said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to what he says. Verse 11 is so important. As such were some of you. Huh? You freed me from that stuff. Man, I messed up life, man, before Christ. He says, as such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the by the Spirit of God. See, our old lives, they were washed. Now we should be living this new life, unaimed, set apart. A little later in that, in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. You notice he has to warn you, all these letters are to the churches of this day. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. He who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know? Have you forgotten that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. So he's telling you, look it. Your life doesn't even belong to you anymore. You free will. You signed it away. You gave it up. Remember that? Remember that day you met Jesus? I remember the day I met Jesus. No doubt about it. I'm so thankful that he took what I had, which was nothing. And he took it and he began to build that life. And he's still doing that. Taking out some old, bringing in the new. Taking out the old, bringing in the new. But let me, let me ask you this this morning. I'd like to ask my own self this very thing. If you've been bought with a price, how are you possessing your vessel? How are you taking care of it? What's going into the eye gate, the ear gate? What's going into those things? See, depending on how you're using your vessel, your kingdom may be in jeopardy. So thankful, listen, so thankful that you're here this morning. Big hospital room, emergency room. We come together, hear from the Lord. He cuts us with his word. And he wants his grace to be poured in there through repentance. Opens up that heart and says, I want to pour my grace on your life. He's ready to meet with us. And then to close, look at verse 7, because he says, don't reject God. He says, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects us does not reject man, but God, who also has given us the Holy Spirit. And so rejecting God would be much like quenching the Holy Spirit, trying to, you know, he's trying to give us some advice in our lives. You're going in the wrong direction. Remember that you, you get in your car or you're on your phones and you have that GPS, especially the older ones. You know, the new ones do it now, too. And you say, hey, I want to go to, you know, um, Vancouver. And you get caught off, take the wrong freeway, and, you're, and it goes, what does it say? Redirecting, 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 shut up, redirecting. But uh, I'm so glad the phone doesn't, my wife doesn't have to tell me that. So <laughs> the phone tells me that, and I, you get mad at the phone, but it's my fault. Listen, I say that to say this. How many of our lives need to be redirected? How many of our lives need to come under the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, I've blown it, but I'm so thankful that you're here to meet me with grace. I'm so thankful for that. And I don't want to reject God in that because you, you take a look at the things that are happening in the world today, I think, you know what, I don't want to be caught up in this stuff. I want to live my life for the Lord. I want to live my life for His glory. And listen, God's grace is being extended to every one of us this morning. His grace you know, he didn't say, if you don't come to me, I'm writing on the wall. But he says, you know, there, there's consequences to our actions. And he says, I love you enough to have the pastor just go through the book of Thessalonians. We've been through the whole New Testament once or twice. 
We're going just where we ended up, and you're here this morning. And God has got a, an extension of His grace going out to you. Listen, I've heard some say this, and I've heard others tell me that. People have said this of me. I don't necessarily agree with Pastor Al. You know, he has got a good heart, but he doesn't. I don't know what he's thinking about. Well, can I tell you something? God said it. I didn't say it. It's very clear in His Word. Listen, there are too many Christians that become casualties because they're flirting with the world. They're flirting with sexual immorality and what it has to offer instead of instead of being cautious how we're to possess our own vessels. That's the goal. Christian families are being divided. Children are looking lost as ever. They, they feel like they're such a failure and they have nothing to do with it. And moms and dads are worried about Mom's worried about dads, and dad's worried about mom. They're not worried about their own individual vessel. That's what we have to do. The caution is this. Listen. As we gather, we're blood washed, right? Come together. He's washed us with the blood of the Lamb. He set us apart for His glory. We come together, we lift up our hands, and we open our Bibles to hear from Him. But if it's only an external thing that we do, then we become nothing more than whitewashed tombs. And there's a lot of danger in that. And what God wants to do is He wants us to search our hearts, I believe. That we would be a people that just say, God, would you have your way with me? And He wants to extend His grace, God's grace, His riches at Christ's expense, agreeing with us that we call upon Him, God, I'm not where I should be. My vessel's been mucked up. I want you to forgive me and I want to make it right. That's what he's desiring. If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you in something. You can never clean yourself up enough to, to be right with God, but he wants to forgive you. You may not hear this often, but there is sin that keeps us from God. But Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for that sin, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And not just to believe in Him, but to freely surrender our lives to Him. Say, Lord Jesus, You're the only avenue. You're the only one that can save me, and I want You. If you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. As the worship team comes up here, as communion is passed out, just come up here and meet with me. I'd love to pray with you. One of our elders will be up here. I'd love to, to uh, pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. But church, again, this letter was written to the church. So we might check ourselves. And if you are living a life in sexual immorality or any kind of immorality, did you check that this morning? Don't take communion until you clear your heart with the Lord. If you need prayer, there'll be somebody up here that will pray with you. Father, we thank you for your word. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.